Welcome to the India Fintech Diaries, the only podcast focused exclusively on the Indian fintech market. I'm Elroy. And I'm Himan. In each episode, we dive into the latest trends, ideas, innovations, business models, and personalities that are shaping India's fintech landscape. We also invite amazing guests who are innovators and industry players that are driving the change that is helping make financial services more modern, innovative, and inclusive in India. Come join us as we explore the changing landscape of fintech in India. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of India Fintech Diaries. I'm your co-host, Hemant, and this is the show where we discuss the latest trends in Indian fintech, speak to some amazing guests from the industry, and dive deep into specific fintech themes. And hi, everyone. I'm your co-host, Elroy. Today, we start a brand new theme on the show, and over the next few episodes, we will unravel some of the mystique around the world of crypto and its implications for financial services. But to begin with, I think we need to start from first principles. So what exactly is crypto? What was its genesis? What are some of the important concepts to understand in this space? And more importantly, what does it mean for fintech? To answer this and more, we have a special guest with us on the show today. I'm very pleased to introduce Rohas Nakpal, Chief Blockchain Architect at Wrapped Asset Project. Welcome to the show, Rohas. Thank you so much, Hemant and Elroy, for inviting me. Awesome. So, Rohas, you have been associated with the Indian crypto space in 2015. And in terms of crypto years, that's a really, really long time. So, tell us a little about yourself and how you got introduced to the world of crypto. Sure, sure. So, I actually come from a cyber security, cyber investigation background. And uh, I got into that somewhere in the mid-1990s. Now, in the early 2010s, I was helping one of the law enforcement agencies who was investigating about the drug mafia using something called Bitcoin. And that was honestly the first time I heard about it. So how it worked was you would go to this cafe and there would be a youngster sitting there and you gave him cash. Now, he would convert it into something called Bitcoin and then give you a number. So say 84. A few days later, a book would land up at your house. You would tear out page 84, cut it into small pieces and put a piece on your tongue. Because this was like a synthetic drug, colorless, tasteless, odorless. And that's the time I actually got introduced to the concept of Bitcoin for the first time. So, Rose, when you look at the history of digital currencies, uh, you actually have a very long list of projects and some of the some of them are actually pretty successful as well before you arrive at the current crop of cryptocurrencies. Sure. So, for example, uh, around the dot-com era, we had something called eGold, which was sure. in many, many ways one of the most widely used digital currencies of the internet age. And possibly the first one. Sure. But uh, we are here today to talk about crypto. So let's spend a little bit of time on the genesis of crypto. Sure. So can you take a walk down memory lane and guide our listeners on the genesis of crypto? Why did crypto succeed when the previous iterations of digital currencies actually failed? Sure. So uh, the first time that this concept of a digital currency was born was when somebody by the name of Chom came out with this concept of blind digital signatures. In fact, I remember reading that paper somewhere in the mid-90s and I was completely blown. Now, based upon the thinking at that time, somebody invented e-gold and that was quite popular from about 1996 to about 2009. In that, you could open an account on their website and that was denominated in grams of gold or silver or platinum. And you could make instant transfers of value to other e-gold holders. But then they got into a lot of legal issues. So even though they were doing $2 billion of trading per year, on just yeah. a base of about $70 million of gold. So the from a velocity point of view, it was 28 velocity. You know, compared to regular fiat currencies, mm-hmm. there are they are just about four or five, the velocity of a typical fiat currency. 
but here they were achieving velocity scales of massive quantities and obviously the government realized that a lot of anti money laundering uh, could not be implemented to catch such kind of transactions so the government shut them down also from a, on a plus side right e gold was also very divisible so you could actually do lots of micro transactions which at that point was pretty unique absolutely uh, correct absolutely correct. but it was not decentralized it was so not decentralized at all. that's where the problem was so that is why the government could shut it down because it was just one entity trying to run the platform right so then how do we move from the world of e gold to the current crypto so what was the genesis of uh, what we know today as uh, cryptocurrencies sure so if you read the bitcoin white paper you'll realize that bitcoin is not a new technology right but what the creators of that white paper did was they took some of the existing brilliant technologies like digital signatures hash functions proof of work and put them together in a very innovative manner and that okay. is what actually led to the world's first decentralized cryptocurrency or rather we call it cryptocurrency because it's based on cryptography which is basically advanced mathematics understood and uh, this obviously started off uh, 2008 2009 is when the white paper came out people started talking about it by 2010 we had tons of transactions going on and i would say the biggest moment was 7th september of this year when el salvador became the world's first country to recognize bitcoin as mm-hmm. legal tender and one thing we've got to understand now actually bitcoin is technically no more a cryptocurrency because the very definition is that it should not be recognized legally in any country now that yeah. bitcoin is recognized the united nations also has to recognize bitcoin as a currency of a country and no longer can it be just put into a typical virtual currency which you can regulate so it's been a very amazing moment what has taken place this year absolutely absolutely rohas and rohas because you have thought about this for a very very long time and sometimes i meet people and they tell me can you explain me some basic concepts let's start with blockchain in a very very layman terms and i struggle since you have been thinking about this for so long and you also teach this to a lot of people can you help us explain the concept of blockchain in a manner a layman would understand sure Uh, so let's say somebody borrows some money from you, and later the person doesn't return it. Now, what proof do you have? So now, suppose at the time you gave someone the loan, five or ten of your friends are around, and all of them take a video of that transaction, and then each of them puts it up on their social media platforms. So mm-hmm. Instagram, Facebook. So now suddenly you have this single transaction recorded in a video and distributed across multiple social platforms. Now, how would someone remove this? it would be next to impossible for the person who borrowed to actually go and delete all these videos now okay. that is something like a blockchain so it's a bunch of computers which we call as a node mm-hmm. all of them are connected to each other all these computers have the identical same information so it is a ledger of all the transactions but every node has the exact same ledger so now if you try to hack it you would have have to hack all the computers at the same time and that is got almost it. impossible to do hmm got that's it. fundamentally got it. what a blockchain is understood and then in the same breath uh, rohas how about smart contracts and then coins and crypto so many terms flowing around when you start speaking about uh, cryptocurrencies help us understand that as well how does these all fit together sure so let's just go back again when bitcoin started functioning it did pretty well then somebody came up with the idea that why can't i create another version of bitcoin which has more coins so from bitcoin having a max of 21 million coins somebody forked bitcoin and mm-hmm. created something called litecoin and virtually right. they did everything into four so if bitcoin is 21 million they said this is 84 million 
now litecoin interestingly even today is very popular then uh-huh. suddenly a stage came where a lot of people felt that bitcoin has a lot of technological drawbacks let's make it faster and better mm-hmm. everyone didn't agree so bitcoin actually broke into two and something called bitcoin cash emerged okay. and if you had a bitcoin account at that time whatever balance you had there you got exact that much of bitcoin cash for free sort of like a company mm-hmm. giving a bonus issue but all this was still what we call as the first stage of blockchains where they all ran only a single coin on it okay. so what we mean by coin is when a crypto runs on its own blockchain we say it's a coin hmm. so bitcoin litecoin bitcoin cash they all have their own blockchain then somebody came out with the brilliant idea of ethereum where they said why don't we build a platform where other people can come and run their own cryptos on top so ethereum allows people to create tokens why do i say token because it's running on someone else's blockchain namely ethereum but other people are creating it and that is what actually saw thousands of tokens coming into the world so ethereum kind of marked the beginning of a new generation of blockchains got it got it in so somewhat like ethereum was the shopify for e-commerce similar concept right sure that's a that's an interesting way of doing it although before shopify e-commerce existed right. but before ethereum these kind of tokens did not exist so ethereum was kind of like the first thing in the world which brought this in and today you have thousands of tokens which have been created and they're doing all sorts of work of course beyond ethereum now we are moving on to what we usually call the layer the third generation right. so where we have new platforms like solano and cardano are all coming into the picture of course time will tell whether they will become as popular or not but that's kind of the genesis that has taken place rose always talk of the various tokens actually reminded me of this article you posted on linkedin where you actually classified using a very interesting framework the various categories of cryptos and tokens right so can you spend a little time going through that as well absolutely so there are about 7000 cryptos which are actively traded today in 400 plus exchanges and there are about 50000 active market pairs So that's the reason I said you know how do we understand the different cryptos right. so I've divided it into 11 categories so the first one is ready money which means something which can be instantly used to buy and sell things a classic okay. example would be bitcoin then we have something called open blockchain tokens so the wyoming state in the US is the first in the world to legally recognize certain kinds of tokens and they call it open blockchain so my project which I'm working on is called wrapped asset token so that's an yeah. example of this then we have something very interesting called hush coins and you know a lot of people say that bitcoin is used by criminals actually not anymore because bitcoin is pseudo anonymous you know you can ultimately right, right. see all the transactions so hush coins or privacy coins like monero you can never identify what is going on so that's like right. the third category then we have something which we call application coins example being filecoin where it's a decentralized blockchain for the world's data right so they they use their own token called fil so that's an application coin it it runs a particular solution then we have something very interesting called security tokens so just like you have equity shares listed on a stock exchange you could issue shares of your company directly on a blockchain that would be called a security token an example being exodus right then we've got non fungible tokens or nfts which we keep hearing about all the time so they could involve graphics or collectibles classic example would be crypto kitties yeah then we have algorithmic stable coins so these are very different from the normal stable coins which you know which are backed by the dollar 
algorithmic stable coins maintain their stability because of the technology not because of a fiat currency correct an example would be frax then we have governance tokens where it is kind of like you buy voting power mm-hmm. so if you have government governance tokens of a particular crypto you can vote on what should happen so an example would be uniswap which has the uni token yeah then we have public blockchains which have their native cryptos classic example would be ethereum having yeah. eth as its native then we have asset backed tokens classic example would be tether which is a us mm. dollar backed stable coin and finally we have what we call as the lending slash borrowing cryptos so these are used for lending and borrowing of money on the crypto exchange uh, platforms example would be aave double a v e so these are the 11 categories of cryptos that's a pretty exhaustive framework arwas uh, i'm also curious about the long term impl- implications of crypto as well right Sure. So, what do you think are the implications for banks and fintechs? Will cryptos end up actually cutting out the middleman over the long term? I think sure. you would actually have a very unique perspective on this, given your work that you did in the past in the bank chain project, uh, which true. was actually looking at implementing some blockchain solutions for banks in India. So, do That's share true. some of your learnings and insights from your time on that project as well. Sure. So, bank chain was a very interesting project where we had some of the world's largest banks on the platform, and yep. we explored different blockchain solutions. and one of the main things which was being explored at that time was cross border remittances how can it be made faster and cheaper using blockchain now right. if you honestly ask me i mean i come across so many of these use cases regularly but i believe most of the use cases which involve data blockchain is not a good solution yeah because mainly because uh, you don't really have truth on chain right that's what uh, it's basically almost like garbage garbage in garbage out kind of thing true Yeah. So but when we bring smart assets that's where the real magic happens so according to me the three most important things that we are going to see is medium of exchange changing over to crypto right cross border remittances going on to cryptos and of course then the whole world of decentralized finance or defi that we call it now that right. is going to be a complete game changer and i personally believe by about 2030 banks the way we see today it will not be like that anymore it's going to be a completely new world but i think it's not going to be that they are going to be replaced they're going to evolve so we earlier had a world of centralized finance where everything Correct. was centralized defi is trying to make everything decentralized but that's not practical either so i would say that we would see a merger where hifi or hybrid finance is what i see as the future hmm got it got it and rohas you gave this example of this monumental moment of el salvador accepting bitcoin as a currency now but you also see that in multiple countries there is some negative sentiments or anti sentiments when it comes to crypto so how do you think globally how regulations are keeping pace with the changing world of blockchain and crypto both so when i look at it i would say some of the best examples would be japan one of the first to immediately say that bitcoin or a crypto is just like foreign exchange and the existing laws on foreign exchange would apply to it so the banks right. were allowed to deal with it just the way they would deal in forex so i think those are a very mature way of looking at it i would see uh, the way i look at it happening is we would see legislation which would look at the functional aspect of a crypto you cannot make a single law for crypto because there are different types of it i just counted 11 types yeah so i think the government should take a functional approach that how does this crypto behave and then let us have the right regulator so if it's a security token it's a no brainer sebi becomes the regulator if it's going to be used as a medium of exchange no brainer rbi should do it 
if it's a commodity then the commodities regulator which happens to be sebi again comes in so I, as long as that is followed i don't foresee too many legal challenges now one thing to remember a lot of people keep hearing about binance getting into trouble what mm. we've got to realize is binance is three different things one is it's the world's largest crypto exchange second it is a cryptocurrency in itself called bnb which is like the fourth or fifth largest in the world third is it is a blockchain called binance smart chain so what is getting into trouble is the binance crypto exchange because they are getting into a lot of regulated activities like derivatives and tokenized stocks that naturally is going to land them into trouble but other than that i am beginning to see a lot of governments take a positive approach to crypto it was an all this discussion about crypto i actually forgot to ask you about the project you currently associated with sure. the wrapped asset project right so can you tell us a little bit about this project and the work you're doing there sure so what we're trying to do with the wrapped asset project is take the world's existing assets and bring right. them onto the popular blockchain so just let me give you a couple of examples a patent or a copyright can be tokenized and sold on the blockchain so suppose i like a particular movie i can actually then go and buy part of the copyright of that movie so that whatever money that movie makes over the next few decades i would get a part of it now just imagine if you owned a small part of shole that movie has been making money for the last 40 years so the blockchain would enable you to buy copyrights of movies books music and so much more you could also tokenize commodities whether it is coffee or whether it is gold you could tokenize land so you could end up buying one square foot of a fancy apartment in dubai along with another 10000 people so yeah. these are the kind of things that we are trying to bring onto the blockchain awesome so fractional ownership being made available to the audience right absolutely correct and ross you are very very active in promoting education about the crypto world as well and i know that you have a curated course a book and a podcast can you tell us more about this sure So cut the crypt is a weekly podcast that I've started so every week I talk about some of these issues which would help someone very new to the field I've also developed a new course it's called getting started with crypto so mm. someone who's an absolute newbie just starting it out go through this course it should take you about 3 or 4 hours it's completely free and online and you would know exactly how to get going and from the developer's point of view I have another free course called blockchain adds which is administration design development and security and i'm very happy to say in the first batch i got about 600 inquiries from 35 countries wow <laughs> and now i've made a batch of 50 and we are going to be starting that and that's totally aimed at the developers because i see a lot of the people who are today so called blockchain developers they are not actually getting into the basics of blockchain mm -hmm. they are learning only the top layer like maybe drafting a smart contract and because they don't understand the basics it leads to a lot of weak solutions and that causes lots of things like the hacks that we hear about today because of very fundamental mistakes and that is what i'm hoping this course would resolve that's amazing that's amazing ross ross if someone wanted to get in touch with you to learn more about blockchain and crypto what's the best way sure so one is uh, i would say that every saturday at 2 pm i do a session on twitter spaces and 3 pm i do an insta live which is where i take on all these issues and take questions from people so that's usually the best way to do it amazing so rohas this has been an amazing session for me uh, thanks a ton for joining us today on the show my pleasure thanks a ton for inviting me i think we have given the listeners enough to chew on for this week uh, next week we will look at understanding what decentralized finance is that's it for india fintech diaries for this week do keep an eye out on our website indiafintechdiaries.com for exclusive companion content on topics discussed on the show 
and until next time stay safe